Welcome back, Crush A Lot Podcast. I'm your boy Cheese, no Kalina. She's she's doing her thing, getting ready for our big new expansion and uh, in, in new ventures in the Crush A Lot world that we're going to get ready for 2020. Uh, so if you're new to the show, thank you for checking out. If you've been here for the ride, thank you for checking it out. Most importantly, hit the links below and support the artists. That's why we do this. We don't do it to to uh, clout, clout, chasing the clout, trying to be popular. We want the program to be as popular as possible for you can listen to good artists and hear it straight from them, um, just in case people get confused. I see some of you podcasts out there. I see you. I'll call you out by name next time, trying to use artists' name to bring you up. We got to bring up the artists. That's what, we, that's what we're trying to do. So I'm excited because... Our, our guest for today has been in the game for quite some time and has really seen hip-hop through the lenses of the ups and downs of it, the, the, difting, the shifting themes and trends, but is still making high-quality and resonating music, especially for an older cat like myself. If you haven't heard of Illogic, do yourself a favor. Hit the links below right now. His latest project uh, Change of Mantra is out right now on all streaming services. So if you have a streaming service, just check it out. Click it. You already have it. It's not going to cost you much. Um, Illogic. Yeah, no excuse. No excuses. <laughs> Illogic, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And you've been in this game for a long time um, and definitely been on my radar. So you're not new to me. So one, thank you for being on the show. You have seen hip-hop through many different lenses, the ups and downs, the shifting trends, and yet your sound always stays cohesive, but yet open to new type of sounds and samplings. And you really seem like you're going out your way, especially with your with your partner in crime there with, uh, who did the production for you. How, do, are you, how, you think, how are you thinking about sampling in your beats? Because they seem authentic in terms of boom bap but yet it, it seems like there's so many different sounds coming from places people probably wouldn't look for right well um the production's actually done by dj criminal um he did all the production on the beat on the uh, project mm -hmm. and he's actually been living um overseas so like during the time of him making a lot of the production he was living in Thailand, he was living in um, Afghanistan, and those are the places that he does a lot of his digging. So he finds samples that people over here in the States probably have no access to. So it creates a completely different type of backdrop um, for the words. And, you know, it's definitely in the boom bap realm, um, giving me a little more freedom with the words and, you know, playing with the patterns and things of that nature. So, you know, like it's definitely, you know, the backdrop of the um, the album is really what drove the content of the record. And with him, you know, kind of being overseas and having access to those kind of things, um, I thought, you know, the title and the album cover, all of that, like, I thought that really played, you know, well, um, you know, as a cohesive piece of art. Did did the production 
come before the ideas. Meaning, every MC probably doesn't have a specific way of doing things. That you know, I would imagine that inspiration comes in different different types of ways. In, in this case of, of of this EP that's available now, is it the did the beats come first, and then from there the ideas, the words, the stories that you're trying to is it inspired that way or is it, are you collaborating together, like finding source materials to kind of manipulate, to make the beats that, and then have a more thematic approach? Well, some of the, some of the rhymes were written prior to me hearing the beats, uh, but the bulk of the uh, rhymes inspired by the production. Um, you know, for me, you know, even now it's uh, a lot more, I don't know if, easy is the word but it's it's better for me to find a path to what i want to talk about if the production is in a certain place i usually write to beats more now than ever before because i usually use the music to take me where the words you know should go so you know for probably about 90 percent of the ep um the beats came first, um, but there's like one or two songs that I had the lyrics prior. Yeah, it's it's oh, the the process of making music. As someone, I don't make music. I'm outside looking in, but I always want to be a fly on the wall. I find the process to be mm-hmm. fascinating, but almost every person does it very different. When you were first starting out in in hip hop, writing, doing spoken word. Has your technique, your 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 way of creating, has that changed throughout the years, or that, or, or has that stayed consistently the same throughout the many trends in hip hop? Um, it's it's adapted um, to an extent. Um, I mean, honestly, I just make music whenever I'm in the mood. Um, so it's changed to an extent, just because. The environment has changed. My kids are older. You know, my life is a little different. I have a different job. You know, like, my life has changed, so definitely my approach to making music has changed. But what, you know, the the way that I approach it, the mindset hasn't changed. So the mindset is still, you know, being authentic, um, making music that definitely represents who I am as a person and where I am now in my life. So, you know, in a way, yes and no, you know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's some changes that have happened due to circumstances and, you know, my influences and things of that nature. But the approach that I go about, you know, to make music is still the same way that I've done it, you know, since I was 16 years old. Hip hop has, we, you know, I'm, 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 Close to forty, so and I and I'm in Brooklyn. Yeah, so me I've, too. I, I've seen I've seen hip hop. I know hip hop. I've walked hip hop. I am hip hop, and I have a different relationship with it. But hip hop is pretty much forty years about my age, or maybe a little older. Um, and now we have a new mm-hmm. generation of hip hop people who are creative in their own way. Not bad, no wrong. It's just a different subgenre of hip hop. Right. We have kids right. now. I'm very selective on what I let them hear, as any parent would be. And hip-hop's always been that one thing that's like, what do I want them to listen to? And I find myself not censoring them from things, because Wu-Tang plays in my house all the time. 
but it has brought in <laughs> like it has brought in my conversations with them on their likes and why they like those things. What's your relationship right. with hip hop in relation to your kids? Is it is it different? Is it very uh like what is it? Mentorship? Is it like I don't understand why you like that? Like my my kids love stuff that I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't hear that. Yeah, I'm saying I'm I'm the same way. Like honestly, my kids listen to a lot of music that I would never be caught dead listening to. And, you know, sometimes it it hurts my soul. Yeah, it does. <laughs> but, you know, I, I have to let them be them. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of times we do have conversations about, you know, the subject matter of what they're listening to, you know, why. Uh, but so the last thing, definitely... I, the last thing I heard because it, it got caught off there. The last thing I heard was you explaining to you, having a relationship with your kids, explaining the content manner. Just for I'll edit. Yeah. It. Um, so with my kids, I definitely try to you know talk to them about the content of what they're listening to, why they like it, how it influences them, how it you know goes how it how it impacts their lives and why they do certain things, why they wear certain things. And they, you know, it's funny because, you know, I was the same way as a kid. I never understood how powerful music was and how much it influenced me and why I dressed a certain way and why I talked a certain way and why the slang that I used was the slang that I used. And, you know, trying to get teenagers to understand that their ideas all the time or not their own is a very difficult thing, you know, as a parent. So like all of my kids are teenagers. My youngest is um, actually 14 years old right now. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's definitely a challenge. Um, and it's, you know, sometimes I think like, you know, what would my friends think if they knew the type of music that my children listen to, you know, what I'm saying? Yeah. like I'm it's, it's a, it's a very, yeah, it's a very interesting thing, but you know, I still gotta let them be them and layer the things out on their own, just like I did. At the core of, of their time in hip hop versus our time in hip hop, there's still something that's very grounded in both worlds, both trends of hip hop versus us early '90s, golden era, late '80s versus now. Is that it's still rebellious? I mean, they're still rebelling. They're rebelling mm -hmm. against us, but we right. were we were still rebelling too. I mean, hip hop is punk music. It is it is rebellious music that hasn't seemed to change. It's still right. rebellious. So it's like I always will argue with people. Like, yeah, it's not it's not my generation music mostly because the content matter doesn't. I'm older listener. You're not gonna catch me with that. It might be catchy for like. A, uh, you know, drive here and there, but it's not gonna hold me. This is not Illmatic, right? It's it's not, right, right. It's not gonna hold me. I'm just a different listener, but I can mm -hmm. see the appeal if you're younger. You know, I can definitely yeah. feel the appeal. How do you, when you're creating and thinking about music, the landscape, who your audience is? There seems to be a trend with some of our older hip hop veterans. 
Um, and we started seeing it with some of the stuff that Meth released and AZ released and and where they start adding the trap influence into their sound, kind of in a way to kind of bridge their audience. Okay. But actually turning off a lot of their hardcore audience in the right. process. When you're approaching your fan base, your music, how do you how do you balance that pull of being authentic, being you versus I want people to listen to who is my audience. How do I make music for this new audience? Is that something you think about when you're creating? Not necessarily. Like I it's it's a it's a it's a hard line because it's a hard thing because in one way I do want new listeners. I want more people to discover our music. I want more people to find, you know, the authenticity and you know those things but at the same time i don't want to compromise who i am it's very rare that i hear a trap beat or a trap style beat that i want to rap over you know like it's not that i don't like them because you know there's a lot of music that is in that style that i do appreciate you know there's a lot of beats that i've heard that i really like but as far as me rapping on them they don't influence me to write. So I'm, I don't have a problem trying to bridge the gap necessarily. It's more, I go more content based um, when I'm writing and when I'm working on music and I want to make sure the beats bang. I want to make sure that there's bass. I want to make sure that everything sounds good, but I'm not necessarily going to compromise what I want my sound to be just to gain new listeners you know like i've made albums that you know were closer to what i wanted them to be but you know thinking in the fact of would my kids like this without me compromising myself and um an example is the lucid logic project the last album that i did um it was more you know like the the production was more um current it wasn't necessarily trap. It wasn't, you know, I did a couple of double time songs on there. It was slower. A more you know, contemporary more synth- boom bap sound. Yeah, more synth based, you know, not a lot of samples, but still had the rugged feel that is, you know, my fans are used to. So necessarily try to compromise and go the trap route, but, you know, making music that has some of the frequencies that a lot of cats are listening to today, not necessarily the patterns and, you know, things of that nature. There, hip-hop is in, I think hip-hop's in a great place. Uh, a lot of people in our generation like to dog it, but I think there's there's always been different pockets of hip-hop. There's always been mainstream hip-hop. Mm. There's always been, I mean, hip-hop is house party music too, so it would make sense that a lot of it is gauged to feel good and party. That's not, that's not far away from where hip hop started from. It's like here's a shitty situation, but here's this community we're trying to build around love, unity, and and the spirit of of collaboration. Hip hop was born from that, from from, right. from nothing. So and it started in the house parties and in the parks. And so people historically kind of forget that hip hop was always meant to feel good. But as we matured, so has the content, and it became the darker, more more social activist side of hip hop. 
hip hop seems to not have a voice at the moment. Besides, like you got Kendrick and you got uh, J Cole. I think they're doing an excellent job of just putting some good content out there. But in general, it seems like the the young generations of hip hop hoppers right now don't have a rally call. Um, saying that in the political landscape that we're in, um, and I'm not, I don't get too much into politics. Why hasn't hip hop now have a rally cry around what's going on? It just seems like no one's interested in doing that rebel go against the grain type of music. Um, I honestly, I'm not sure. Um, you would think that it would. Yeah, it goes like hand in hand. Right. You would think that it would, but it definitely is. There's something lost in the um, in today's music that doesn't have the same um, social political, you know, foundation that a lot of our music had, you know, back in the day. Um, there's a lot more emphasis on making money and partying and you know things of that nature like the the you know the singles that we had the the things that we played at the party was like fight the power you know what i'm saying like i mean we definitely had those those uh, those party joints but you know there was the x clans and there was like songs that were played at parties that had more of a message as opposed to you know, songs to just get drunk to, get high yeah. to. I mean, Jungle Brothers you know, was very social, political, and very right. groovy and off kilt at times. Right, definitely. So, like these days, I don't think, I don't think there is as much. I mean, not that it doesn't exist, because you do still have, you know, artists like Kendrick Lamar who, who does try to, you know, inject some socio-political ideals into his music that tries to tell stories about the climate of, you know, people and, you know, but he's, you know, one in a million at this point, you know, back in the day, you couldn't turn on Rap City without hearing something about, you know, the political climate. You couldn't listen to the radio without hearing a hip hop song about what's going on in the world. And now it's few and far between. So, you know, I'm not honestly sure, but I think what it is is that we've just, as a culture, we've just gotten too, too big for our britches. You know what I'm saying? And you know, the people in charge, which is most of the record companies, have found what sells. They've also found what can damage the youth in a way that is, you know, crazy, and that's what they want. So they're going to give them what they want. They want rebellion and rebellion to us was very different, you know, than what rebellion is today for these kids. And the music is a reflection of that. So much uh, knowledge there. Um, this is why I always love talking to uh, veteran artists. There's so much to think about. Um, and the discussion never stops. So feel free to reach out to me, Crush A Lot Podcast. You can reach out to Illogic and on social medias. Just, you know, these discussions shouldn't stop at all. We're not saying condemning. We're not the, we're, it's just a discussion. I always said, hey, Wu mm -hmm. Tang sold millions of copies to one audience. But if they will release an album now, right. that same audience is not buying it. 
I always wondered where did that audience go because we're still here. Um, so the, right. even that is is an interesting like. So what happened to us? Why us the the older cats aren't well, keeping that? It's not that we're out there. Yeah, it's not that we're gone. It's just the way that music is consumed has changed. So you know, like and you know, people aren't buying CDs at the rate that they were in the nineties. So now there's streaming services. Now there's all these other ways to intake music and intake art that people don't necessarily have to buy something physical. You can have access to every Wu-Tang album that has ever existed for, you know, $7.99 a month. And every time you play their song, they get a fraction of a penny for that song. And I mean, that's basically what has happened. It's not that we're gone. It's just that it takes a lot more for them to for there to be a physical representation of their impact. You know, if they drop the album now, you know, unless it, you know, you know, goes platinum all the way, you know, right away. That these days is a billion streams, (laughs) you know, like that's one of the only ways then, you know, it's not, it's going to be a blip on the radar, but it doesn't mean they're not going to still get over a million streams on that project. You know what I'm saying? It's just how things are calculated these days have definitely changed the way that it's viewed, you know, as far as album sales go. Cause back in the day you didn't have streaming services. You heard the single. If you dug the single, you go to the store, they have a listening station. You get to check the album out before you buy it, yep. you buy it. Yep. And then you go home and you listen to all 15 joints and you decide whether it's good or not. I, but that sale that, goes to them. But that you know? process meant everything to us because we had limited funds. I had my SYP exactly. minimum wage money and I knew I was going to walk away with, with with three CDs. I'm going to spend the whole day in the store to make sure those $15 stretched. You know, right now exactly. everything is instant. So the album lasts for one for one week and then the next week you get something else because you have the entire menu. But we didn't have that before. Also, what's right. lost in, in a lot of this is just the enjoyment of opening something and it's yours. Yeah. Opening a CD, yeah. a tape, uh, a vinyl, which is booming right now. And I'm a big collector myself. Just opening and having it is also changed the consumption of it. And most of the music we right. have in streaming services, we don't own. So until the next tech, the, the next technology boom, um, we don't own it. So we don't even know if it's going to transfer over. Right. We don't know. So the we more have we no idea. Collect, no idea. So I'm on this journey with you. Um, I'm going to buy as many uh, illogic physicals as I can before the next technology wipes everything out and everyone gets upset and all your playlists are out of the door <laughs> because they're not doing it that way. We can look at the mini disc as examples of that. That didn't last too yeah. long. If you're new to the show, yeah, thank that you. That takes everything. If you're new to the show, thank you for checking it out. Hopefully we did a good job and you consider subscribing. But most importantly, hit the link below. Go check out 
the, the Change of Mantra EP available right now on streaming services if you have it. Uh, but feel right. free to support in any way you can. Physicals, going to shows, things like that. Um, if you're going to be in uh, Ontario, uh, Toronto, the weekend of November 8th, 9th, and 10th, come find me and the Crush A Lot crew. We're going to be at the Smiling Buddha, checking out the Daniel Sun and Riggs show. Yeah, we're driving up from Brooklyn all the way to Canada. That's what support looks like. We're going to road trip it, um, and we'll catch people there. So come check us out there. And most importantly, hit the links below. Support the artists. Let people know you're listening to good hip-hop. It's a it's a great EP. I think it's a good, challenging listening experience. It's not something that you will need. You can listen to once and get it. You need to listen to it multiple times to catch all the sentiments, um, energy, and stories, and, and all the things that are layered there for you. And that's why I enjoyed the album so much, because you have to listen to it. You have to be an active listener to really get everything in there and i think you're going to really have a lot of self-reflecting moments because this is pretty much an album that's coming from a very intimate place and perspective and if you're looking for that type of experience at least for a weekend or a few hours i couldn't recommend a, a better ep right now go check it out hit the streaming services and all that good stuff no logic thank you so much for your time we'll catch you on the next episode peace appreciate it man thanks peace